We all like to give orders, but obeying orders is another story. Ever since that conversation in the Garden of Eden when the devil made Eve think that disobedience was somehow sweeter than obedience, the human race has been a race of rebels. In our day, the twisting of the goods of democracy has helped create a mentality wherein the only person we should obey is ourselves. We make laws and therefore we obey the laws we make, even if those laws are morally corrupt, spiritually impoverished, and go against the truth that God has revealed to us in his greater law, divine law. But for Mary and Joseph, on this feast of the Holy Family, when we contemplate them, their situation was very different. They were obliged to follow the Jewish law regarding their firstborn son, a law not man-made, but God-made. Because children, children are a gift from God, ultimately they belong to God. The Jewish law therefore prescribed a ritual by which parents acknowledged this truth. They would offer God a gift in symbolic exchange for their child. This is what today's gospel from Luke chapter 2 means when it says that Mary and Joseph consecrated Jesus to the Lord. If ever any married couple did not have to follow the laws of God revealed to them through their religion, it would have been Mary and Joseph. Mary was without sin, and Joseph, we are told, was a righteous and pure man. However, in fact, they were obedient to the laws God had passed on to them through Moses. Furthermore, they took the baby Jesus back to Nazareth with them. And as his earthly mother and father, they raised Jesus in the truths of their religious faith into manhood and thus help prepare him to live in the identity and mission that God had given to him to save his people. In doing so, they show us the highest good of obedience to God. It helps us live out our true human dignity, identity, and mission as given to us by God and leads us and others into the greatest good of salvation. Wow. That's what obedience is? Yes. This insight into the nature and purpose of human life, that it comes from God, that it belongs to God, and that it's directed to God, is certainly highlighted in today's beautiful feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Here, we see the good of God's plan for humanity, specifically in the marriage between a man and a woman, and the good of the husband and wife raising their family together as father and mother. Now, we must acknowledge we live in a society that is no longer true to its Christian foundations entirely. We now see people, for instance, together in so-called irregular unions, like the cohabitation of unmarried couples, 
or remarriage outside of the sacrament of marriage or couples in same-sex unions. In all of these and other irregular unions, God has called us, the church, to extend to them love, patience, and pastoral care. They are all God's sons and daughters. As they seek God's assistance to grow closer to him and to live in the reality of him calling them towards salvation, we are to bless them as individuals and walk with them in their deeper journey into the life of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and the Holy Family of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But, as Father Mike likes, likes to state, but wait, there's more! <laughs> Our assist, assistance to him, to them, doesn't stop with pastoral care. God has called us through his church to also always offer that people in irregular unions the good, the truth, and the beautiful of God's plan for them. A plan to free them from their sins and set them on a road toward an abundance of life and Christ's design for their identity and mission, both in this life and with the hope of eternal life in heaven. Indeed, God calls all of us to be obedient and live according to his plan for our lives, not our plan. And for this reason, our relationship with God should be characterized by obedience, by letting him guide us with his divine law, not just following or changing civil laws, along a path that he sees better than we do. Today's second reading praises Abraham and Sarah precisely because their faith, unlike Adam and Eve's, was strong enough to feed the virtue of obedience and therefore bless a multitude of people who in, live in the reality of their faith in God as Judeo-Christians spread throughout the societies of many nations up and down time. All because of two persons in a married relationship. Wow. For a Christian, obedience to God is a virtue that leads to spiritual maturity, not a vice that betrays human dignity and denies freedom. Maybe an illustration will help here. Imagine a tree that got tired of being rooted in the soil. Imagine that it decides to uproot itself so that it can have more freedom to move around. By uprooting itself, it contradicts its very nature and destroys itself. That's what Adam and Eve did when they disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. And that's what we do every time we sin. Every time we rebel against our creator and savior, the one who gives us our existence and wants to lead us into eternal life. Maybe a story helps here too. A little known chapter in the history of World War II 
illustrates the importance of this virtue. On October 14, 1943, Jewish slave laborers in the Sobibor concentration camp on the border of Poland and Russia executed a well-planned revolt. Of the 700 prisoners who took part in the escape, 300 made it through the minefield between the barbed wire fence of the prison and the dense forest beyond. Of those, less than 100 are known to have survived the Nazi search parties. One of them, Thomas Blatt, was 15 years old when his family was herded into Sobibor. His parents were immediately executed in the gas chamber, but Thomas, young and healthy, was sent to slave labor. Thomas and two companions made it out and started their long journey through the dense woods after navigating the, man, the minefield. At daybreak, they buried themselves in the woods to sleep. At night, they made their way through the trees and the thick brush. After four nights of wandering through the cold forest, they saw a building silhouetted against the dark sky in the distance. With smiles on their faces, they eagerly, eagerly approached it, hoping for sanctuary from their enemies. As they got closer, they noticed that the building they had seen at a distance was a tower, specifically the East Tower of the Sobibor concentration camp. They had made one giant circle through the woods and ended up exactly where they started. Terrified, the three boys plunged back into the forest, but only Thomas lived to tell about that awful experience. When we reject guidance, the guidance of God's commandments and the teachings of his church, we are like those boys wandering through the woods at night without a guide, and we make no lasting progress to the happiness we all long for. Most religions don't know for certain what God's will is because they don't have Jesus Christ. Believers in these religions have to obey what they think God's will is by following their consciences, a gift that God gives to every human being. But the voice of conscience, like human nature in general, was damaged by original sin and continues to be blunted by our own sins. That's why so many horrible errors and terrible crimes are committed by people who say that it was God's will when actually it was errant human will. As Christians, God has given us some immutable gifts to heal our conscience and help us to actually know God's will. First, the Bible. The truths revealed in the word of God open up God's mind and heart for humanity and all history. The better we know the Bible, 
the better we will understand God's plan for our lives as individuals and God's plan for humanity in general. For instance, God is very clear about the unchangeable nature and purpose of marriage between a man and a woman. Second, the church. church. God also gives us his church, the Catholic church, to receive the divine truths God wants to communicate to humanity, then to define them when they need to be defined, defended, clarify, and transmit these divine truths of God's word and will across time, nations, cultures, and even the fickle winds of trends that blow like storms in our lives, blow us back and forth and up and down and all around. Along these lines, drawing upon the rich deposit of faith over the past 2,000 years and guided by Christ's promise of the Holy Spirit, the church continues to offer God's plan for humanity's salvation. In fact, the doctrines of the church such as the doctrine of the Holy Trinity or the doctrine of the human divine natures of Christ or the doctrine of the transubstantiation of the Eucharist or the doctrine of the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. All these doctrines are immutable, unchangeable. They are from Christ, written in the scriptures for us and defined and defended across the vastness of time and space by his church. I don't know about you, but in a day and age of confusion, both in our world and even in the hearts of some Christians today, and especially when there are some in our society who are trying to reject the reality of objective universal truths, I find it very consoling, sure and certain ground and hopeful to know that God God will always guide us by the truths he offers us through his church. There are some things so real, sacred, good, and necessary that they will never change. Thanks be to God. For us, the virtue we must follow is the virtue of obedience. Like the obedience of Mary and Joseph in presenting their child Jesus, to be consecrated to the will and work of God. And raising up Jesus in the truths that that of their religion that God gave to them through Moses and the prophets. Mary and Joseph helped Jesus discover as a human, fully human, fully God, but fully human person, how to live out his identity and mission from his heavenly father. Then Jesus, by being obedient to the Father himself, even when it was not easy, not easy to be obedient, brought the greatest blessing upon humanity. The blessing of the forgiveness of our sins, the transformation and renewal of our minds and hearts across our lives and generations, and the hope of a life of true and lasting freedom with him forever in heaven, free from the lies and broken promises of a broken world 
free to be who we're created to be from the foundations of the world. In a few minutes, God will renew his loving commitment to us through the sacrifice of the Eucharist. When he does, let's thank him. Let's thank him for all these gifts. And let's renew our commitment to seek lasting happiness by obeying his most holy will and helping others along the way find the good, the truth, and the beautiful that God offers us all.